What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by my delightful and important and vital Patreon members where you can become a member by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, that's patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a member, make a $5 month donation. It's like a cup of coffee a month, just like a, any other subscription to the New York Times, the New York Post, Slate Magazine, the Chase Thomas Podcast we're all one and the same. That's what people are saying. And you can support the show by doing that today. It would be great in continuing to put out as much content as I am. Because guess what? I'm doing seven pods a week, sometimes more. We are doing interviews with pro wrestlers, former NBA players, NBA GMs, coaches, college coaches, college ADs. We are doing movie reviews on Sundays uh, that you can find with Musee and Thomas. Every single Sunday, we're reviewing a different movie. Uh, Monday through Friday, we're getting NBA, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, team beat writers. You're getting pro wrestling analysis. You're getting the sports reporters. Reporters. What is it? I don't even know. America's favorite sports writers? I think that's what we're calling it. On Friday with some of the best sports writers and sports thinkers on the internet today. We are doing all this every single day. New content every day. You know what else I'm doing every day? I'm writing every day. You can read my Monday uh, Atlanta sports column. That comes out every Monday. On Tuesdays, you can read my Monday Night Raw recap. On Wednesday, you can read my Impact Wrestling recap. On Thursday, you can read... Hold on, let me check my notes here. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll come back to it. On Friday, the Friday mailbag. Um... Oh, I know what I'm doing on Thursday. We're doing the AEW Dynamite review. On Friday, we're doing the Nobody Asked Mailbag, like I said. Maybe that'll turn into an actual mailbag. If you would like to send uh, those, you can do so by going to emailing me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can read my SmackDown recaps on Saturday morning. You can read my newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. We'll eventually have a tiny letter or Substack uh, once I get that pesky PO box, but I will update you all soon and then uh sunday volunteers yeah every saturday guess who's in knoxville me guess who'll be covering tennessee football tennessee basketball for the next several years maybe ever me falls go go read my stuff um you can read all of it at chase thomas podcast.com i would highly encourage you to check it out chase thomas podcast.com slash page hyphen 11 where you can read all my stuff get access to all of my episodes all that good stuff Go to Apple, subscribe there, leave me five stars, leave a review, help the show continue to grow and move into that top 200 permanently on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, tell a friend, share the show. This intro is three minutes long. That's entirely too long for an intro. Too long. And I just did a long pause. I don't know why. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to a Tuesday afternoon morning edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. 
John Taylor is here. Jonathan Taylor Thomas talks Major League Baseball edition of the podcast presented by Hancock in the National League wildcard round, uh, Doosan and the National League Divisional Series, and Camping World in the NLCS, Geico in the ALCS. I felt like I needed to get all the, the advertisers that Major League Baseball had um, out, out did, did before we get into this preview. What do you think, John? Did you actually get all of them? I feel like there were like 15 more. Uts, um, I'm not seeing uh, anything for the World Series yet, so that's still up for grabs. I hope the right advertising team can pull through here. All right. Well, when you when you get sponsored by, I don't know, Zaxby's or something, you you let me know. I wouldn't rule it out. Like I wouldn't hate being sponsored by Zaxby's. Zaxby's, call me, email me, chasemspodcast at gmail.com. Let's go. Both. Bojangles, Chick-fil-A, one of those southern... Chick-fil-A doesn't need advertising. They're like the McDonald's of chicken, where if you drive past any Chick-fil-A in the south at any point during the day, the line is always backed up. They're fine. Chick-fil-A never needs to advertise ever again, and they're fine. Okay, that's true. Zaxby's, I don't know. I see a lot of Zaxby's stuff because um, they got to compete with the Raising Canes of the world. Chick-fil-A's not really competing yeah, right. with anybody. Good point. There you go. More. Uh, th- this is why people come to the podcast, John, is for our advertising analysis. I thought they came for our college football talk. That is true. You do love college football. What did you think of the weekend, John? What was your biggest college football takeaway from this weekend? There was college football this weekend. I like that take. I like that. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There was a lot of college football this weekend. Okay. Uh, my take is that it happened. I like it. I like it. Um, well, speaking of things that are happening, Major League Baseball is happening, and we are going to have a 16-team playoff starting tomorrow. Um, I am excited because guess what? I get to get hurt by an NL Central team that's probably better than than my team who we haven't played at all this season in a best of three series. Um, very excited to get hurt all over again tomorrow, but uh, yeah, we're going to go around the, the playoff matchups. It's still really strange to look at this. I don't know if you thought it was strange looking at the bracket and just being like, is this baseball or March madness? I don't, um, I'm not, I'm just not sure about it. A lot of teams where you see the who's in, you're like, this is weird. I mean, nothing stands out more than the Marlins. The fact that the Marlins are a six seed in this is just mind-blowing. Um, not feeling good about my Phillies take winning the uh, the NL. Not feeling good about that at the moment, but uh, just give it a couple more days. They'll be fine. Um, we'll start. Do you want to start in the AL or the NL? Uh, let's start with the American League since that's happening today. Okay. Tampa Bay finishing 40-20. and 20. Also really strange looking at these records. Uh, the number one seed in the AL, they are matched up with the young fighting Vlad Guerrero Juniors and Bo Bichette's, who are 32-28. and 28. What do you think of this series, John? I think that... I think it's, it's pretty... To me, it feels like it's a pretty obvious Tampa is the favorite. I mean, they're the number one seed for a reason. They're very deep. They're very good. The funny thing is I saw... Um, I forget who pointed this out, but in making the note that 
Tampa really had a bad offseason. Um, they traded away Tommy Pham and Jake Cronenworth for Hunter Renfro, which was a disaster trade. If nothing else, because now they've lost Cronenworth, who has turned out is going to be um, somewhere in the NL Rookie of the Year uh, balloting. They signed Yoshi Sutsugo, who hit below 200 and really has not really made much of an impact. Um, they traded for Jose Martinez and didn't really keep him for long. Manny Margot was fine. He was the poor man's Kevin Kiermaier, like we all expected. You know, they really didn't add a whole lot this offseason, and what they did this offseason really didn't work. And normally a team like Tampa that does not spend money and doesn't have a big payroll and, you know, doesn't have the superstars that other teams do can't afford something like that. But this Braves team is so deep and so good that they they totally whiffed the offseason and still were the best team in the American League. That really says something about the depth they have. It says a lot about the way that they just, you know, their, 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 their lineup is less a lineup than a puzzle. And it's one that is always that always has the platoon advantage, always has people kind of moving around. It's it's just a very strong roster. And I think the problem for Toronto is Toronto's got, you know, a nice little offense and certainly they've got their their you know, their their big chunky boys and Vlad Jr. and uh, Rowdy Telez is on the wild card roster, which I'm pumped about. And um the cuboid Alejandro Kirk. But at the same time, like Toronto doesn't have the pitching. I mean, beyond Hyunjin Ryu, who's who doesn't seem to be hundred percent, their starting pitching is bad, their bullpen is pretty mediocre. Tampa's just much better in those two categories. And also Tampa's going to throw out one, two Blake Snell and uh, Tyler Glasnow with Charlie Morton, who has not had a good season, but is still Charlie fucking Morton. Uh, number three. I don't really see, I mean, every, obviously Toronto has a chance. Everyone has a chance. It's literally a best of three. Like any team can lose two games in a row. Any team can win two games in a row. But I definitely think of all the, with the exception of Dodgers Brewers, which we'll get to, I think this is probably the series where the favorite is probably the most favored. Um, I think I think Tampa should probably win this one too. I I agree. Um, your best nugget about this series, what is it? Best nugget about this series. That's a good one. Um, hmm. I mean, I like the fact that. More likely than not, you know, it's going to be some combo of Hyunjin Ryu and Taiwan Walker for games one and two. And you're going to see completely different lineups for the Rays for each because they have optimized lineups against right-handers and optimized lineups against left-handers. They, they like the Dodgers, just get a platoon advantage literally every opportunity they get. So that'll at least be interesting to see. I'm also, it, to me, and this isn't so much nugget as something I'm kind of be interested to see is how aggressive Kevin Cash is with his bullpen. Um, especially because this new format now has no days off in between games until we get to the World Series, so you can't really just lean hard on the bullpen. Granted, the Rays have a lot of relievers who are good, so they don't—you know—it's not like just two or three guys that they're going to be focusing on. But I will be interested to see what they do because the Rays, as always, are a team that just gets the bullpen in the mix whenever, and you know they don't really ask their starters to do too much. So I'll be interested to see if Snell and Glasnow. Uh, especially again, given that, you know, there are no off days, if they're allowed to go past the fifth inning or if cash just, you know, lets them go five and then turns it over to the bullpen from there. Next up the four five matchup, the Cleveland Indians finishing fourth, um, 35 and 25, the Yankees, the five seed 33 and 27 surging down the stretch, getting a little bit healthier. What do you think about this series? Garrett Culver, Shane Beaver. That's going to rule so much. I'm so excited for that. Like, Nothing about the weird format or any of the other playoff stupidity can take away from the fact that Garrett Cole versus Shane Bieber, and now I've guaranteed that game is going to finish like 11-9, to 9, and both of those guys are going to get knocked out before the fourth inning. I, uh, I mean, there's also, plenty of, there's also plenty of other good stuff, but I just want to focus on that first. Okay, so we're getting that. Um, 
do you feel good about the Yankees in this series? Do you feel good? Because we talked about the Indians coming in where like they are going to have the advantage in a three-game series with a lot of teams just because of what they can throw out. We're a little concerned about the offense, but Jose Ramirez really bounced back this year, and uh, Lindor is still Lindor, and the outfield is eh. But uh, what what do you think? Do they have enough offense to compete with the Yankees in a three-game series? No, flat out no. The mm. Indians are a terrible offensive team aside from Ramirez and Lindor. Um, they their outfield is one of the literally one of the worst ever assembled. Their catchers can't hit. I mean, no one's catchers can hit. Like there, there's just no offense there. The the thing that the Indians are gonna have to do is the same thing that the Cardinals are gonna or the Cardinals the Reds are gonna have to do, which is this kind of a similar thing that what the I guess not so much the Cardinals, but it's, it's similar to what the Reds are gonna have to do. It's the pitching. They're gonna have to lean on Bieber, on Je- on Zach Klesak, on Carlos Carrasco, and if it goes that far, on Aaron Savale. Those are the guys. That's gonna be their thing. Every Indians game is going to be every Indians postseason game as, as many as they play is going to have to be like a three to two game. They're going to have to find a way to scratch out two or three, like at least two or three runs, obviously, because they should definitely have at least that more is ideal, but more is going to be hard. Um, the nice thing for them is the Yankees aside from Cole, like Tanaka is fine. And then game three, I imagine will be Jay Happ more likely than not. Um, I think they'd probably give it to Jay Happ more, more than they'd give it to Davey Garcia. Although maybe I may be missing something there. I'm just quickly scanning the Yankees roster to make sure I haven't lost my mind and I, I'm not missing like an obvious starter. But um, I guess the other option would be Jordan Montgomery, but I have to imagine it's Jay Happ. So certainly the, the Indians have the, the starting pitching advantage. They should have even, even, it's kind of amazing in a match with Garrett Cole. They still have the better pitcher, um, but no, they, they don't have the offense to hang with anyone. They, this is all going to, this is all going to rely on their pitching. It's all going to be pitching dependent. And if they get a bad start from Bieber or from, uh, I'm not sure who's starting game two tomorrow, Plesak or Carrasco, but whoever, not, well, yeah, tomorrow, they're screwed. They're completely screwed. Um, they, they, that's their only real path to victory. That or Ramirez has one of like, just has a postseason a la like Barry Bonds in 2002. Can't rule it out. Um... Can't rule it out biggest thing you're looking for in this series the the number one thing that you're excited to monitor uh i think for me it's 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 the combination of aaron judge and giancarlo stanton neither of them really got to play that much down the stretch because they were hurt for so much of it um so they're going to be a little rusty i would imagine i mean you know what the yankees LeMay, dj lemay who's the best hitter in that lineup amazingly i don't really think anyone saw that coming and then luke voice had a lot of power and Gio Urshela is a nice piece at the bottom um, but it obviously this is all going to turn on Judge and Stanton. I think if they look if they're locked in, if they look good, then the Yankees are. And I I, I think I, I believe in our in our FanGraphs staff predictions that are coming out in half an hour. I believe I can't remember off the top of my head. I picked the Yankees to win the pennant because I do think they are the most talented team in the American League when everything is working. The key there obviously is when everything is working because they are also a really really streaky team this season. You know, obviously they had that stretch where you know they were awesome at the start of the season and they had that stretch where they went five and fifteen. Then they got great again, and then they kind of slumped to end of the season. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. I think Stanton and Judge are probably the most important part. The other thing is the bullpen, which has not been has not been great, has not been as good as we I think ever as people would have expected. Particularly Adam Ottavino, who's kind of a, a fulcrum there in that in that bullpen behind Chapman and Zach Britton. Um, but I, I think that's what I'm keeping an eye on: is Stanton and Judge. They have a good series. Obviously, if they have good at bats, the Yankees are really really dangerous all the way through. I like it. I like it. Next up, 
The Twins, three seed in the AL, 36 and 24. The Astros, I mean, if you're Rob Manfred, you'd love to see a, let me check my notes here, 29 and 31 team make this playoff format. We got to do it. We got to expand. We got to get not, the. Uh, we not, just, not just a 29, not just a 29 and 31 team, a 29 and 31 team that everyone hates. Yeah. Every last person. Like, I'm not going to say it's a nightmare for the Astros to be in the playoffs because, I mean, I think there is probably some value to having the heel team, but this team is bad. They're not good. They're not a good team. They're deservedly below 500. And on top of that, they're just awful. Nobody wants this Astros team around, which guarantees that not only are they going to upset the Twins, but they're probably going to win the World Series. Just We should all just accept it now that this, this Astros team will be hoisting the, the hunk of metal, as Rob Manfred calls it, or piece of metal or whatever it was. Um, it, because this is 2020, and that's what we deserve in our Marlins Astros World Series. Yeah, I um, I really worry about this series. I uh, I feel like I'm talking myself into the Astros over the Twins here. Am I crazy? It's it's not that hard because I mean the, the Astros do have stuff going. Obviously, they got Zach Granke going game one, and Granke is 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 awesome. That lineup, even though no one is hitting, which, hey, what a weird coincidence that is, that all these guys stopped hitting the year the year after we learned that they had a massive sign-stealing apparatus in place. Um, they're still dangerous hitters, though, obviously. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Michael Brantley, like that's George Springer, who's had a great year. That's a really tough lineup to get through. And the Twins, you know, Jose Barrios has had a solid season, but... You know, the, the Twins don't have a Garrett Cole or a Shane Bieber, obviously. They don't have a guy that they're going to throw out there in game one where you're like, I feel great about this. They've got Barrios, and Twins fans are looking at that and going, I feel good about that. But it's, it's not that hard to talk yourself into the Astros. The problem with the Astros is they have nothing behind Granke starter-wise. Not nothing. That's a little unfair to Framber Valdez. But um, it, it's certainly not last year, you know, with, with uh, Cole, Verlander, and Granke. It's nowhere near that. And their bullpen is flat-out bad. You know, again, this team came by its record, honestly. They're a below 500 club that spent a, that really got a huge chunk of its wins beating up on the Mariners, on the Rangers, on the Rockies, on, on the other bad teams that they, that they got to face all year. I guess those are the three big, biggest ones because there was no non-division play. Regardless, like, I don't really believe in the Astros, but, I mean, there's a case, and certainly that case got stronger because Josh Donaldson's not going to be playing this, this, this round for, for, for Minnesota, and that's concerning like this this lineup is just different with him in it this team is different with him on the field um again three game series so you know you don't miss him that much i suppose but also again it's a three game series anything can happen and certainly if you if you have a scenario where granky steals game one then all of a sudden the pressure's all on the twins to win two in a row knowing also that one of those games is going to be in houston where the astros are usually if not always very very hard to beat even without a crowd the number two seed, the Oakland Athletics, without Chapman in this series. I think Lazardo is starting game one here. 36 and 24 the season. The White Sox 35 and 25. I think this is like the best round one matchup because I could see I think it, right? Yeah, it's, the, it's easily the most evenly matched. Like two versus seven doesn't matter here. These are two really evenly matched teams. And I think that this is probably your best bet out of the AL to go all three games. Um, the thing is going to be one go just fell apart toward the end of the season. Um, and they've also got a lineup that is not all that patient in Mancata and Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. There's a lot of guys who are just going to be up there hacking. 
And also for all of these guys, this is their first playoff series. So this, there's, I know obviously there's no crowd. It's a, it's a totally different atmosphere, but I imagine there are going to be some nerves on their part. Um, and Lazard is no picnic. I know the, the, we just actually had someone come out on Fangrass by Craig Edwards that knows how good the White Sox are at hitting left-handed pitching, which makes sense if you think about all their best bats are either right-handed or switch hitters. Um, and so, you know, that should give them some level of, I don't want to call it advantage over, over Oakland, but it certainly gives them something to work with. And Oakland's not that strong. I mean, obviously, obviously, like you said, they don't have Chapman, uh, their rotation beyond Luzardo is not that great. They have a very good bullpen, but how, how valuable is that going to be again with, with the format with no days off? So I, I really think like this, this is one where I, I honestly don't know who's going to win. Like I have no real prediction. I think I went with the White Sox in the Fangraphs predictions, but that's, that's pretty much, it's a coin flip to me. It's a coin flip in my head. I'd say it's probably 50, 50 either way, obviously. Um, it's going to be fun, though. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to watch Jesus Luzardo start a postseason game. He was so good in the wild card game last year as a reliever. Really, really excited to see what he can do in a postseason start against a young, fun lineup. Moving to the NL, the Los Angeles Dodgers finishing 43-17, and number one seed against the number eight Milwaukee Brewers. Season from hell for them. They still sneak into the playoffs, kind of like the Astros. They finished twenty nine and thirty one. What do you think? The Brewers are easily the worst team in the playoffs. I mean, they were never over five hundred literally at any point this season. They can't hit. They have one good starter in Brandon Woodruff. Now that Corbin Burns got hurt, which was really, really obviously bad timing. The obviously the one thing they have going for them is Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Good uniforms. Yeah, good uniforms, obviously. The, the the thing for the Brewers is going to be their their game plan. I think is going to be similar to what the Indians have in a but in a different direction. They have to find a way to get a lead in the first five innings because if they can do that, they can throw four innings of Devin Williams and Josh Hader at the Dodgers, and that's going to be really really hard to beat. So, but that's the thing. Like it it it's it's going to be hard for Milwaukee to do that because it's just fundamentally not a good team. Like the Astros, they're, they they earn that record that they got. And it's certainly possible, and I think I said on Twitter, I will laugh myself sick if this Dodgers team, which is arguably one of the, if you, you know, if this had been a full 162 game season, probably would have gone down as one of the best teams literally of all time if they get knocked out in a three game series by a sub 500 Brewers team. But it can happen. Brandon Woodruff's a great pitcher. Christian Yelich has had a bad season, but he's still Christian Yelich. You know, like I said, they've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader who are locked down relievers. But I think ultimately the Dodgers are just a far better team. And I think, you know, they, they've definitely got the advantage. I think this is probably the, the, the series that is the most, I don't want to say lopsided, but I, I can't imagine there are too many people out there who think the Brewers are going to be able to pull this off. And I, I'm not one of them. I think the Dodgers win this series. Um, although if the Dodgers in the postseason, they're going to make it a lot closer and more difficult than they really should. Yeah. I, yeah, the Dodgers should win it too. This is probably going to be the easiest series of any of them. I still don't think the Dodgers are making it through the gauntlet, but I do think they get through here with relative ease. Next up, the San Diego Padres, the four seed, finishing 37-23, and 23, hosting the St. Louis Cardinals. John's team. John loves the Cardinals. People forget. Love the, love the Cardinals. He, he loves them. 30 and 28 love in the season. Love that Midwestern sensibility. 
he's he's all about the Midwestern sensibility. He's all about the Cardinals, Jack Flaherty. He's all about this offense. He's all about America's team. He's all about Bush Stadium. He's drinking a Bush Light as we speak to get ready for this game. John, I'm more of a Miller guy. Tell me, tell me why the St. Louis Cardinals are going to beat the f- most fun young team in the NL, maybe the most fun young team in baseball, because that's what the Cardinals do. Lock it in. The Cardinals the are knocking thing. out that Tatis. Is, that is their thing. They are always here to ruin everyone's fun. Of course they're matched up against the, the Padres because the universe had to find the team most antithetical to what the Padres are to knock the Padres out and rob us of Fernando Tatis for an entire postseason. Yes. And it's possible because if there's one thing the Cardinals like the Cardinals aren't on the level of the Reds or the Indians with their pitching staff, but they do have a good, you know, they have a good starting trio. Um, led, of course, by Jack Flaherty, who's not had a good season, but I'm willing to let that kind of go because it's been a really weird season for the Cardinals. Um, if nothing else, they're already really used to playing like lots of games in a short span of time. They had to do that for pretty much their entire season. They have a good enough offense that can, you know, they can mix and match a bit. They're defensively pretty strong. Bullpen isn't great. That's a problem for them. But the other aspect of the other side of this is how healthy are the Padres right now when it comes to starting pitching? We know Mike Clevenger's not going to pitch in this series. He might be available, might be available for the division series. I think it'd probably be more likely for the for CS if the Padres make it that far. Of course, the bigger problem for the Padres is if they advance beyond this, they've got a date with the Dodgers next. Um, Denilson Lamette seems like he's okay, but there's certainly, obviously we won't know that for, for sure until he makes his start, which I, I believe he'll be the game one starter. You know, it's a good lineup. It's a good bullpen. This, the Padres should be the favorites. I think it's just going to be, it's just going to hinge on how healthy is, is the starting because if Denilson Lamette comes out there and gets blown up, then the Padres are in some serious trouble because they obviously, you know, Chris Paddock has not looked like his uh, rookie of the year candidate self this season. Something has seemed kind of off about him all year. I can't really say what it is. He has the velocity issues kind of late down the stretch. I just, Seem to me like it might be mildly injury related, but nothing too serious. You know, like I said, they they don't have Clevenger now, so they really need Lamette to be healthy and on point because otherwise, uh, they got to win two in a row with Paddock starting one game and Zach Davies starting the other. And Zach Davies has had a great season; he's a good pitcher, he's got a wonderful changeup. But I don't know how comfortable I feel with Zach Davies in a do or die game. That's my option on the mound. Granted, the Cardinals will be going with Kwang Young Kim, so it's not as if they're rolling out Max Scherzer. Boy, we might actually get an elimination game of Kwang Young Kim versus Zach Davies. I, I hate this. I hate this best of three. It's so stupid. It's so stupid that that's what it's going to create. Um, but I, I mean, there's a, definitely a good chance for the Cardinals here because they got the Padres kind of. I want to say at the right time, but certainly you know missing Clevenger with Lamette still coming off, even if it's just a mild injury, it's still an injury. You know. That that does open the door a little bit for St. Louis, more so than I think they would have coming into the series when I think everyone would have picked the Padres as the clear favorite. And also it's the Cardinals, so you know they're going to pull some... You know there's going to be some silly bullshit one of these games. Yeah. Someone who you, who you do not expect is going to do something like... You know it's coming. It's, a, it's the thing. It's their thing. They're going to do it. That's why I was joking with... Um, I was joking with a friend of mine, a Kyle Higashioka, Yankees fan friend of mine. Kyle Higashioka starting game one over Gary Sanchez. And I joked with him, it was, I, I, will, I want somewhere where I can put money down that Kyle Higashioka is going to hit a homer off Shane Bieber. I know it. I can feel it in my blood and my bones that it is going to happen because this isn't the kind of nonsense bullshit that happens in the postseason with the Yankees, but especially with the Cardinals. 
something is going to happen in this series that is going to go absurdly St. Louis's way that no one would have expected, you know, because and, and like we've already joked, like this is, this is the franchise put on this earth to take away fun things from us and to make us all suffer. I will be so angry if they're the reason that Fernando Tatis is not something I get to watch for all of October. Well, or more of October. Well, I, uh, I have bad news. They're coming. The Grim Reapers of Major League Baseball are coming for Fernando Tatis. Um, The Cubs, number three seed, finishing 34 and 26, hosting the, let me get my glasses on. This can't be right. The 31 and 29 Marlins at the sixth seed. Derek Jeter, he did it. Derek Jeter made the playoffs. It's official. Take that that for science. Take that for data. Thank Take you. that Thank for you, venture Dave. capitalism, baby. <laughs> um, so I, I previewed this series for fan graphs. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that these teams can't hit. Neither of them can hit. Um, the Cubs, because Chris Bryan and Javi Baez are apparently broken, and because Kyle Schwarber is just like... The, the range of outcomes for Kyle Schwarber, this is one of the range of outcomes you'd expect as he's hitting below 200 and like literally can't make contact. Like the Cubs can't hit, the Marlins really can't hit. They have they're a bad offensive team. Um, the this this is going to be one of those I think a, a really low scoring series all the way around. Also because on the Cubs side of things they're going to roll out Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish, and on the Marlins side of things it's going to be. I mean we they haven't announced their their games one and two starters yet, but it's going to I imagine it'll be some combo of Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez, and then Sandy Alcantara probably for game three. So there's good pitching all the way around. And I the, the big thing for the Cubs is they're going to have the advantage in games one and two. They're going to be at home. They're going to have Darvish and Hendricks. You know, Sanchez and Lopez are great pitchers, but, you know, they're young. They're not playoff tested, obviously. They're, you know, it's, it's, I think the Cubs definitely have the advantage. The trick for them is going to be if they, if they don't sweep, they're facing a game three choice of the starting pitcher between John Lester, who, you know, has a lot of postseason experience, but is also just as was a terrible, had a terrible season really seems to have kind of hit the wall, I think. And I, I wouldn't be surprised either if Lester calls it a career after the season. He just doesn't look like he really has anything left in the tank anymore. And the other option is Alec Mills, who throw a no-hitter, but really doesn't have swing or miss stuff, gives up a lot of home runs, got pretty hit, hit up pretty hard in his last start against Pittsburgh. Not a guy you really want on the mound, you know, to save your season. And in the Marlins case, they're probably going to have Alcantara, who's a good pitcher. You know, I think they probably have the advantage there. So if you're the Cubs, you want to sweep. The thing is, really don't expect a lot of runs in this series. The other thing to keep an eye out to is Miami's bullpen, which is not good. Um, any late inning leads for them are going to be dicey. I mean, similarly for the Cubs, their bullpen is also not good. It's better than Miami's, but it's not good on the whole. This, I think, honestly, this has a chance to be a really sloppy, kind of unpleasant series to watch. Um, I don't really expect a lot of quote-unquote classic games. I think it's mostly just going to be a mediocre Chicago team on the whole, maybe a mediocre is a little too rough, but an okay Chicago team outlasting a mediocre Marlins team. Um, Miami, it's, it's, Hey, it's nice that they're here, but boy, they're not a good team. They're just not, they're okay. They overachieved. They scrapped their hustle. They, they hustle hard. You know, they're gritty, you know, real, real gym rats, lunch pail guys, workout warriors. I don't know. I'm, I'm just running through my list of cliches here, but, uh, I, I think Chicago should take this series. I, I I don't think Miami has what it takes ultimately. Is this the la- the first time they've played in a playoff series since? Yeah, Mr. Bartman's. Yep. Okay. 
They they have literally never lost a playoff series to Miami Marlins. In I, fact, both does this times, count? Do they count this if they lose a series? They count this. They count okay. this. Look, man, they they the Marlins have won the World Series every year they've made the postseason. Yeah. So if you want your long shot bet, and I think the Marlins are like plus thirty five hundred to win the World Series, so I might actually find a way to throw twenty bucks on that because why the hell not? Um, this is that's the World Series we deserve in 2020 is the Marlins, the, the barely above 500 Miami Marlins sneaking into the playoffs and running away with the whole damn thing would be, oh, I don't know if their word's funny enough for that. But uh, yeah, the Marlins have literally never lost a playoff series in their franchise history. So bet against the juggernaut all you want. You know, <laughs> I mean, I guess I just did. Last up. um the Atlanta Braves coming off the longest home run hit this season from Ronald Acuna. Oh boy, that thing just, I don't know where that landed, partly because the camera work is really bad, but <laughs> where did that ball land? The number where two did it seed, end up? The number two seed in the NL, 35 and 25. The Reds, number seven, 31 and 29. Um, I was looking at all these different previews today, and I just see an overwhelming red machine. Um, red machine belief, I guess, because yeah, no I, one's I picking been, the Braves. It's kind of wild. I yeah, I've I've noticed that too. I think I picked the Reds too, but I I was surprised how popular that pick is. Like everyone's going for the Reds here, and I get it. Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray. That's tough. That is really tough. The Reds have the pitching advantage in literally every game. And granted, that that's mostly because the Braves are also just not that good. Pitching-wise, like it's Ian Anderson and Max Fried, and then holy crap, what on earth do you do for Game 3 if it gets that far? But man, this Braves team, you've seen it. They, they can rake, man. You know, you've seen this team. They rake, you know? They do. And especially, like, the, the, one, the one thing, not the one thing, but what, what is, I think, especially notable for Atlanta is they hit home runs. And this is going to sound obvious and elementary and kind of stupid, but that's the best way to win in the playoffs is hit home runs. Because you're not going to build rallies against like Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. You're not going to grind out, you know, a two-run inning on seeing eye singles and walks. You know, these are guys who are not going to who are not going to screw up like that. You need to be able to put the ball over the fence, and the Braves have lots of guys who can do that. Mostly at the expense of being able to do pretty much anything else, but that still counts. You know, I mean, the the one thing I guess you wonder is how healthy is Acuna? I know he's got a bit of a sore wrist or elbow or some some part of his arm is not fully healthy um obviously you hope that doesn't impact him too much but hey between him freddie freeman marcelo zuna ozzy albi is back right like this lineup can do some damage and so and the bullpen is just flat out better than cincinnati's too it's a good bullpen so i mean i picked cincinnati i think just because i i, I do think that atlanta's pitching just isn't going to be able to hold up but I was, like I said, like you, I was surprised to see how many people are going on the Reds bandwagon. And it's, it's a little dangerous because this Braves team is, granted, they're, they're, they're kind of experts at letting everyone down, but they're still very talented and they still can hit quite a bit. That's what I just can't. Are you a believer more in postseason offense or postseason starting pitching? What do you believe in more? I- what is your philosophy? I think starting pitching, I think starting pitching just because it's more consistent. It's it's easier to imagine Shane Bieber, for example, having a great start than it is banking on two games worth of at bats from Freddie Freeman. And which is to take nothing away from Freddie Freeman, but 
the pitcher be just by the starter by by sheer virtue of being out there for four or five or six innings can have more of an impact than four scattered at bats from Freddie Freeman. There's no guarantee that Freddie Freeman takes a single at bat in the series with a runner in scoring position. That may not happen. It, it probably will, but there's no guarantee. Whereas the Reds will have at minimum, unless someone gets hurt or gets blown up really early, you can, you can safely assume anywhere from 15 to 18 innings of this series, if it goes three games, will be in the hands of Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. That's really hard to beat. If those guys are on their game, that's going to be really hard to beat, especially when your other option is, okay, probably, I, I, it doesn't really matter, but some combo of Max Fried and Ian Anderson in game two. Again, what are you doing in game three? Are you really going to put your season on the line with Kyle Wright? Josh Tomlin? Tom, I don't, did Tommy Malone even make this roster? Like, like you said, maybe they bullpen it, but that is a rough, rough way to try to win a game three of a, of a, best, of five, of a best of three series. That is really tough. And so I think just uh, that's kind of what I lean to is that if not so much that the starting pitching is more consistent, but that I am a bigger believer that you need good starting pitching to get far in the postseason, especially again with this new format where there are no days off. You need those starters who can eat the innings, who can get through a lineup more than twice, you know, and for as good as Freed and Anderson have been, Freed is not a big strikeout guy and Anderson is 20 years old. This is his first postseason against a tough lineup that granted the Reds did not really hit much this season, but they had a great end of the season and they've got guys who can produce in Castellanos and Suarez and Votto. Like, you know, those guys didn't all just forget how to hit. Well, Castellanos has been good all season, but you know, that there, you can't, you can't get away with mistakes to, to a good chunk of this lineup. You know, this isn't the Marlins where you can kind of just futz around the edges. Um, so I think just for me, like just the Reds having that starting pitching advantage is so huge, not having to worry in the same way that I think the Braves are going to have to worry. And especially not having uh, the interesting thing, I think for me to watch is Brian Snicker is going to be how he uses his bullpen and when he decides that he needs to go to it. Cause he's going to have to keep like every, it's going to be, I don't want to say it's going to be batter to batter. If it gets to game three, I'm sure it'll be batter to batter for whoever the starter is, but he's going to have to keep a very close eye on Freed and Anderson to get a sense of, okay, who are they struggling against? What's working for them? Are they tiring? Like is Anderson, you know, is Andrew, are Anderson's nerves under control? Is he, you know, that's a lot to keep an eye on and a lot of bullpen management to ask of a guy. And Snickers a good manager. I think, I don't know how necessarily how he is tactically. You, you know, you, you have a better view of that night in and night out than I do, but it's asking a lot for a guy to just be kind of have that finger on the bullpen button all the time, ready to press it as opposed to, David Bell, who could just sit back and go, well, I expect to get six innings apiece out of my starters, and I don't really have to worry about that. There is something to be said about that, or for that at least. And I don't think it's enough to swing a series, but I do think there's something to be said for just having that knowledge of my horse, and the Reds have three of them, is going to get me through six innings, unless something crazy happens. And something crazy could happen because, again, the Braves team rakes. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see for all of this. It's, it's going to be fun. Like, as for as much as I've, you know, like crapped on the expanded format and like how weird this is going to feel in a lot of different ways, especially with the crowd not there, because boy, the crowd is a really underrated part of a postseason game. Um, it's still going to be fun. You know, these matchups, a lot of them are really weird, but they're going to be fun, I think. And it's, I'm just, I'm excited to see, you know, I'm excited, like I said, Bieber versus Cole. I'm excited to see Fernando Tatis. I'm I'm going to be sobbing uncontrollably every Mookie Betts at bat, but I'm still excited to see Mookie Betts in the postseason again. Like, it's just going to be fun. So, 
let's, let's have fun. Let's have fun with the postseason before we end up with that Marlins Astros World Series that makes us all want to just swallow mercury. Yeah. Well, hope for the best. Expect the worst. That is the Atlanta experience. Um, I don't know if you this or not, uh, but uh, things are great. Well, at least you got the at least you got the Falcons. John Taylor, that'll be enough from you today. Um, I appreciate the time as always, sir. Uh, enjoy the, the 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 playoffs. Enjoy it. We'll be back. Uh, enjoy the playoffs. playoffs. Let's go. All right. Playoffs. And at, you know what's great? As we're wrapping up, two Blue Jays bouncing around in front of my window as we hey, wrap up here. Good sign omen. for the Blue Jays. It's an spot. omen. It's an omen. It's an omen. John Taylor, thank you as always, sir. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Heard? Did you like what you heard? I think is what I'm trying to say. Right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's the correct English. Um, then guess what? Here's what you do. You go to Apple, you leave it five stars, you leave a review, you let people know why they should listen to this show. You go to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. You become a member, $5 a month. Go do it. You can do more. I'm not going to say no. Um, go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, read all my stuff, ChaseThomasPodcast slash page hyphen 11. It's great stuff. Writing every day, doing the pod every day. Support the best independent sports podcast today. No one's doing what I'm doing. Nobody can touch me. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's keep the lights on. Let's keep getting after it. I'm hyped up. Follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you all for your support as this show continues to grow. We'll be back. Yeah, tomorrow. Because guess what? This show is daily and it's all thanks to you guys. Talk to you soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.